Welcome to Changeable. This is episode number 189. Is childhood abuse also a story? A question from a listener. You're tuned in to Changeable with Dr. Amy Johnson. Changeable podcast is all about breaking habits, ending anxiety, and the ironic way change really works. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Hey there, welcome back to Changeable. So today's episode is going to be based around um, a question that I received from a person I'm calling Jess. And this is one similar to the one I did with Alice's question last month, um, where I I put it in the queue for Ask Amy and it was just, it just felt really right to talk about it here. Um, there's a lot in this and there's a lot that I think will be really helpful, hopefully for Jess to hear more about, but also for, for all of you. So I'm going to read her question. Her question says, hi, Amy, if all of our thoughts are not real and they're just making up stories, then how would you explain childhood abuse? Are my thoughts and feelings not true? Is my mind just making this up? Because I know what happened to me and I know how it feels. It's not just my mind making it personal. I have bulimia and mild drug and alcohol addiction right now. I've been searching for 35 years for something like this. I really need your paradigm to work for me, but I just can't make it all add up in my head. So thank you, Jess, for sending this. And again, I hope, uh, I I know that others are going to be able to hear a lot in this as well. So the first thing I want to say is don't believe anything I say. I don't, there's no real value, very, very, very little real value in trading thoughts for other thoughts or in trading one worldview or set of beliefs for another worldview or set of beliefs, even if the other worldview and set of beliefs is a lot nicer and a lot happier and more hopeful. It's just not, it's just not good enough. It's not good enough. It's trading one story for another story. And, and, we don't need to do that. Really what we're going for in a sense, and even this is not probably that accurate to say, but in a sense, we want to see story period for what it is. We want to see how thought and belief and story create an experience of life. So trading a a hopeless story for a hopeful one just doesn't do very much. It doesn't do anything to help us see that thought is creating the whole thing, you know? So, um, so all of that to say, just hold what I'm saying very, very loosely. Don't hold it at all. If you can help it, um, don't believe me, but, but just listen and, and, you know, listen to see if, if anything resonates, it doesn't have to make sense to your mind. In fact, if it does make sense to your mind, if, if our mind is like, oh, I got that. I totally understand what she's talking about. Then it's probably a belief Then your mind has probably packaged it up into a nice little theory. That's now your new belief about how life works. And again, it's just not going to benefit you much. So just, just see what resonates. It, It almost resonates on kind of an energetic level, if that makes sense, way more than verbal or intellectual um, or anything else. So, um, so we humans come to live in this in this stream of thought. We come to identify, I should say, with this stream of thought, and we view ourselves as these separate individuals. You're a Jess. I'm an Amy. There's 
almost 8 billion other people out there that aren't us, that they're different and separate. And in that view of a me as a separate person, a, a separate entity from everything else in the world, from all other people and all other things, there's a real sense of of fragility in that. <laughs> you know, there's like, I'm, I'm a, separate from the whole. Now, this is this is going to be the case no matter how wonderful your childhood may have been or anyone's childhood may have been. In the absolute best of circumstances, it is scary and fragile and feels dangerous to be a separate person, to be a separate me on some level. So our brain works really hard and, and our mind and thought work really, really hard to try to protect and secure that sense of a separate me. Because again, even when you think you're feeling safe, you're not really. Because if I'm a me over here, hey, anything could happen at any point. There's others out there. Life is kind of dangerous. How do I know? There's no real connection because I'm different from you. There's just a lot of danger naturally implicit in that. And and even just from kind of a thought or mind perspective, as soon as there's a me and I'm different and separate thought that's believed, there's also a lot of work to seek for more that secures and protects that me. So in brain terms, you know, just in kind of how a brain works, I mean, our brain we know creates, we know this from lots and lots of science, our brain creates this identity. Our brain tells us who we are and it literally filters everything that's perceived, all all data into into what we end up with as our moment-to-moment experience. And that is always with us at the center. So that doesn't, again, it doesn't mean anything about you. This is just how it works when you have a brain, is everything in your experience is kind of referenced back to, to Jess. And everything in my experience is referenced back to Amy. And it just kind of works that way. So we become very me-centered and that doesn't mean you're selfish. That's just what your brain is doing. And again, there's like this center of the universe right here that that apparently lives inside this body. And then everything else is separate and different and, and it's out there somewhere. So just in that sort of perceptual way, now I'm, I'm getting to your question, Jess, don't worry. But just in that perceptual way, um, you know, there's a, there's a lot of, again, there's just a lot of story that has to come in. If I'm a me and you're a you, our brain is always looking for what, what might hurt this body. Like how your brain's job is to just keep your body alive. So it always is trying to predict the future and know, um, you know, what, what could hurt this body? What, what bad things might go wrong? So in doing that, it's, it's, naming everything, it's labeling everything, it's constantly talking about the past, constantly trying to predict the future. And we find ourselves living in these brain-created sort of stories, identified with these brain-created kind of stories that, again, are all about me and my life and the past and what happened in the past and what it led to and the future and what I can do now to make the future better. And in in the in the really big picture, I mean, that's sort of what the human experience is when we're identified with thought. And I'm going to talk about an alternative to that. But when we're I really identified with that that story, that's just kind of how how it goes. 
So I say when we're identified with that story, and I really mean, you know, we all come to be identified with that story. We don't have to be forever. Uh, there's, there's a lot that shifts around that, but we all are identified with it at some point, at least. Most people for their entire lives, to varying degrees, but usually a whole heck of a lot. <laughs> so usually like that's it. And it truly is like living in a movie a little bit. It's like there's there's life, but what is life for each of us, for any of us, this experience of an us, life is just this this narration. You know, life is seen through a filter of me and my life and what's about to happen and what it all means about me that we're not creating. A brain is creating it. You're not creating it. I'm not creating it for me. It's just how it's showing up in that story. And and again, it's um, there's a ton of meaning in that story because a brain is always looking for certainty so that it can predict things to save you. There's a ton of meaning, a ton of cause and effect, a ton of connect the dots. This led to this. This means this. All of these big concepts. And and we just live within those as if that is true life, as if that's all there is. So when, when the story of a Jess has been really, really hard, life feels really, really hard. And the fact that we can say it's a story of a jest does not in any way take away from the fact that life feels really, really, really hard. I mean, it is it is a brain narrating life and 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 remembering things and drawing connections and talking about you and what you lack and what you need and all of that. It is a brain doing that, but that doesn't make it any less real of an experience. It's still your real experience that there was abuse and now there's this and that and these issues and habits. And and so in absolutely no way are we ever discounting how real and painful this experience can feel. We're simply just wanting to, to start to look and see, okay, what is this experience? Is there is that all there is? Is it me? Is it the truth of me? Is it the totality of me and of life? And that's where I'm going to suggest that it's not at all. But again, before we get there, it's we we live in the full on experience of this stuff. It is it is an an illusion, as some people have said, but it's the most persistent, emotional, real, you know, painful at times illusion there is that I'm a separate me and this is my life, and that we just feel memories and circumstances and people around us, you know, in such a real way. So really the the movie comparison is really kind of accurate. And again, I hope that doesn't sound like it's dismissive at all, but it's like there's this oneness of life that part of that oneness, within that oneness, there's what I would call the narrator kind of coming in and having a conversation about it. And from the time we were about two years old, we start to live in the conversation rather than in the oneness of life or more so than in the oneness of life. And how I just said that is not accurate either. So it's not like we're not in the oneness of life because we're, we're identified with a conversation. 
I should really say it more like we we come to be identified with that conversation. It's it's like when there's a movie, you know, we get really identified with and focused on the action that's happening on the screen and we lose the sight of the we lose lose the fact that there's a screen there. That doesn't mean the screen has disappeared. It's just not there. We're focused on the characters and what they're doing. And that's really, really accurate to how it is for us, right? So we we get focused on that storyline. Of course we do. How could we not? Of course we do. We get focused on the storyline of me and my life and what it all means. And we lose sight of the oneness that it that it truly is, that it's kind of sprouting from in a sense. So in my book, Just a Thought, one of the early chapters, I don't know, three or four maybe, um, I told a story of just just a very crude kind of illustration of how this comes to be in, in that a body is born, you know, and it is still just this oneness of energy. Um, and that's a, that's how we all start. That's how, it's how we all are. It's how we all, we all stay that way forever. But as this little, this little baby body is born, as a brain develops and a brain does what evolution has taught it to do to try to keep this little body alive as long as possible, thought arises and labels arise and you and me arise and judgment arises and protection of so many protective strategies arise. And there's just this whole swirl of psychology that starts cropping up. And, you know, especially as scary things happen when children are young, the looking back to that psychology for protection, listening to it, like, cause, cause again, our brain is just always trying to help us and protect us, even when we don't really need it. That's just its function. It's its job. So a brain is not great at assessing whether we actually need protection in, in a moment or not. It's just over-inclusive because it's just going to try to get you to survive as long as it can, right? So so there's these constantly these protective mechanisms that come up that say, don't do that. Do more of this. Do this for approval. I don't think they like you. Say this. Be this way. You know, I mean, and, it, and it's, it's all so incredibly well-meaning, but we start to get really identified with that. And especially when scary things happen. So in the case of childhood abuse in particular, I mean, it's so incredibly dangerous and horrible for for this identity, for this mind-created me, that of course a brain that's doing its job to keep you physically alive is going to jump in and come up with all kinds of protective mechanisms, give all kinds of meaning that again in the big picture is really, really good and helpful. It's going to blame and it's going to attach to certain people that feel safe and detach from people who don't feel safe and come up with strategies and it's going to learn patterns that feel safe. And sometimes those are not the best patterns. It's going to find that when you go hide in the closet and maybe eventually when you go hide in the closet and drink or eat, you feel better. You know, it's just learning that. And again, I'm not just talking about abuse here. This is all of us. It just picks up on these patterns and it's always trying to help us and help us feel more comfortable and help us feel more safe and help us actually be safe. 
and we lose the big picture. We just get so kind of honed in on the psychology, the thoughts and the feelings and the strategies. And and this is where this kind of conditioning comes in. So again, I'm talking about all humans with a brain, but especially in the case of abuse and especially in the case of early abuse, there's a lot of that that starts up, you know, just to keep that keep that supposed entity safe and alive. So this is what we end up with. This is what we end up identified with. In any case, is a mind that says you're a you and they're a them and they might be dangerous. Again, even in the happiest of and safest of childhoods, there's still a lot of danger out there according to your brain. So it's just constantly talking about you and your life and how it's gone and how it will go and all the things that you need to do and be and secure and find and accomplish so that you can be okay. And that's what I mean. That's what we mean when we talk about it being this thought created story. That's where our identity comes from. It's just the workings of a brain. It's thought taken as truth. And in a real sense, in a, in a physical, in a psychological sense, again, it, it, there are no mistakes here. There are no like, oops, that shouldn't happen necessarily. It's all so well-meaning when we can back up and kind of see the bigger picture of it. But it's also, it, it also can be incredibly limiting and painful when that looks like there's all, that's all there is. You know, when all we see is this character and her the danger she's in and the weaknesses and the things that have developed, the protective mechanisms gone wrong and all of that. We come to see all of that and identify with it in an incredibly biased way because what are we going to do? It's all we can see. You know, again, we lose sight. We're watching a movie and we're so fixated on the characters. We lose sight of the fact that it's a show and it's happening and there's actually a screen there. We're staring at the screen. We're staring at a screen the whole time and we don't see a screen. We just see a character. We see a character in trouble. My husband and I recently had this. We're watching this show on Netflix. Um, it's called Made. I'm sure many of you have seen it. We got about halfway through, and it, you know, this woman just kept just kept having like the worst breaks in the world. Like you just come to love this woman. And she just had the worst luck and you'd, she would start to kind of get her life together and dig herself out of this hole and then something would happen. And we both had to just stop. We both of us were like, we had nightmares one night on the same night. We both had a nightmare about this show. So we stopped watching it and we told, we told, we're talking with like our friends about it. And all of our friends were like, oh, it gets so much better in the next episode, but we still haven't been able to go back to it. And it's kind of funny because it's like, we know it's a show. We know it's that real. We know this. We know this is this happens, right? But we know this is a character. But both of us are kind of like, yeah. But we were so we were so in it with that character, and it hurt. You know, we hurt for her that we we still haven't gone back to it. But that's kind of how it is. Now that's just a character in a in a Netflix show. Think about it when it's us and our life. And when it feels like it's us in our life, when that character is who we think we are, we are fully in every up and fully in every down without a sense that there's anything else. So there's absolutely no wonder that 
things like abuse are so feel so incredibly destructive and horrible and have so many consequences. No wonder at all, because that's the world we're living in, and it feels like that's even when even when we know that's not all there is, we still feel it in a really real real way, you know. And for most of us, most of the time, we don't know that that's not all there is. It just you know that thought created identity just looks like us. End of story, and it's incredibly painful. But here's where we want to start to look. What if that is experience? Experience comes and goes. Psychology comes and goes. Thoughts and feelings, identities, stories, meaning, they come and go. Now, it doesn't feel like that often because we think they're so real, because it looks like that's all there is. So, you know, you have a sense of who you are and some meaning about how life works. Me too. All, all minds do this. All brains create that. And yeah, sometimes it's, it's, you're conscious of it. You're aware of it. It's in your experience in a moment. Other times it just kind of falls away. But because it looks really solid and real and when it looks like all there is and it's true, and this is just life, it's never all that far behind, you know, even when you aren't thinking about it, it's still sort of there. It's kind of, it's kind of been there running things and it comes back really quickly or it seems to. But what I want you to start to open up to is like, okay, what if that is all true? There are these stories and meaning and identities and all incredibly real, incredibly emotional. And they are mind-created, brain-created stories and memories and thoughts and past and future that is all that is very real and very emotional and painful sometimes or joyful when you're in it. It is whatever it is. And that's not the end-all be-all truth. And that is that is simply the narrator. It is the narrator trying to keep us safe. It is a brain creating an identity, trying to keep us safe. But we want to kind of open up perhaps to what's what else there is, you know? And what else there is is, again, that oneness, like that what we were born into, what we still are all the time, beyond the labeling and the me and you and all of that, there's just this. And there's no problem in this. It takes, it takes a mind to have a problem. And that doesn't make, make problems not painful. There's nothing in what I just said. Like it takes a mind, to, it takes a brain to create a problem or a mind to create a problem. There is nothing in that that says that abuse is okay or that you shouldn't be feeling the way you're feeling, or anything like that. This is That's where we get into trouble, is our mind hears something like this, like, oh, it's just a story. Oh, my mind's just making it all personal. And it, and our mind, because this is exactly what we've been saying, this is what a mind does. This is what a brain does. It, it adds in a ton of shoulds and therefores and a bunch of implications. So it's like, oh, if my mind is simply creating my reality, and this is all about my brain making it all about me, 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 then I shouldn't be feeling this way. Well, no, that's not at all what's being said. You you are going to feel that way if that's what your brain is doing, right? Or it says, or, okay, then that means, you know, that I could just forget about my abuse tomorrow. No, that's not what's being said at all. Or that my abusers are off the hook. No, that's not what's being said at all. It's just simply keeping it at this place of 
can we get this feel for how there is a a protection-based story playing out, a narrator talking about life. And again, right now in this moment, talking about you and your past and your future and what it all means, and that that's just simply the way a brain works. That's just simply how thought shows up, period, (laughs) full stop, like just kind of, just kind of keeping it there. So, um, so Jess says, just as part of the question that I already read, she says, are my thoughts and feelings not true? Is my mind just making this up? Because I know what happened to me and I know how it feels. It's not just my mind making it personal. So exactly. No, it's not. It is and it isn't. So again, it, it's not to negate anything you've been through. It's not to say that you're lying or make or just making it up as if you should be or could be just making some other story up. It's none of that at all. But it is to see that in any given moment right now for every human on earth, there is a mind talking about things. We live in this stream, this thought created reality in a sense, right? And and it's going wherever it's going. And minds go places. And so your mind might go back to something that happened. It might go go to some protective mechanism that it picked up when something happened long ago in the past. And we and we tend to be in that again as if that's the end all be all. That's life right now, that's reality, this just is. But there's so much value in that that is going to happen. We're constantly living in these projections of what our mind is talking about. And we also have this amazing ability to see that. So a mind doesn't have to change. It doesn't have to stop. And it it won't very easily sometimes. Stories don't have to fall away. You don't have to find another story. Protective mechanisms don't have to just boom, go away overnight. They rarely do, rarely. But we get to see, oh, this is a mind just trying to keep me safe. When your mind goes back to what happened in the past or feels anger or rage or shame or, and again, this could be anybody's mind that feels all of this, right? That does all of these things. When it goes to the future and tries to tell you what's likely to happen, when it falls back on on coping mechanisms that you know aren't healthy right now, to be able to see that as psychology, not as Jess, is incredibly, hugely life-changing. That is your psychology playing out. But your health and your oneness with all of life, your safety in this, this, in what's showing up right now and what is life right now, your safety in this, your connection with this, inherent connection with this, that has never gone anywhere. Again, the psychological story has just gotten really, really loud. And especially as life looks scarier, we cling to it more innocently. We have no, we don't choose that. We don't choose it. Our brain gets louder. Our psychology gets louder. It brings in more ideas and more strategies to save us. And we listen to it more and more and more, especially so when life has looked dangerous. 
So it's it, it could not have gone any other way, Jess. You you could not have it just it just went the way it went. And again, it was all in such a well-meaning way. But now now you get to open to this idea that okay, that is all still there. The old conditioning, the old patterns, the old whatever might be showing up, fear, depression, whatever it is. It is still there and it is psychology. It is experience flowing through. It's not you. It's not the totality of things. It's not all there is about life. It is not something that needs to change. Believe it or not, we can we can see this as just a mind doing its old protective things. And we begin to be far less identified with it. So it may change. I mean, a lot of times it does change, but we don't need to change it. I don't know how we would change it. We can't change it. So it's not something you need to put your energy and attention on trying to make different. That usually only makes it bigger. <laughs> you know, it puts it right in our faces and, and we spin our wheels trying to change it. And we, we're not very successful because it's there for a good reason. So it's not there to be ripped away or changed by us. It's there to be seen. It's there to be seen as conditioning, as old protective mechanisms, as old thought, as psychology, as fleeting, moving, in motion psychology. And when we see it as what it really is, everything starts to shift from there. There's no more pushing. There's no more resistance. There's just us seeing it for what it is. And when we aren't resisting it and avoiding it and trying to manipulate it and change it, you know, again, there's there's just room for it. And it's almost like when there's room for it in that way, it just shows up, but it's not all that shows up anymore. It's not like, it's like we don't have those blinders on where me and the story of my life and my past and my future used to be, that story used to be all we'd know, all we'd see. It's almost like your aperture widens and that story's still playing out, but you're noticing, oh, wow, that's a story. And there's a lot more to life. Like, like I'm okay. Even when you're suffering, Jess, even when you're suffering, it's the weirdest thing in the world to try to describe or talk about, but there can be such a sense of, of maybe suffering is not even the best word, but of pain of any emotion, any feeling showing up, old patterns, old habits showing up, they're fully there. You're not pushing them away. You're fully in them, seeing them, and you are okay, and you are not them. And there is like such a a vastness. There's such a of an expansiveness where it's all just this, all of it, even the stuff we've been so conditioned to dislike and try to change. It's all just what's showing up. It is all life appearing as whatever life is appearing as. Again, don't, your mind will not wrap itself around this, but I hope you can kind of feel what I'm pointing toward there and, and, and what's possible there without trying to figure it out because that, that won't work. So again, I just want to make sure this is clear. It's not that your mind is making up abuse. But it is that for everyone on earth, our mind is creating what we're, what we're living in right now, when we're identified with it, especially. But either way, our mind is working <laughs> and, it's, and it's 
going back to old things. You know, if right now today in your life you aren't being abused, wonderful, but you might still feel abuse. Well, where is that coming from? It's not coming from the world. It's not coming from the past because what is the past? The past is an idea. It's thought now. It's thought that shows up right now. So in the now, the only time there is, fresh right now in life, we're simply feeling what a mind is giving us, what a mind is talking about. And when we're super identified with that thought stream of me and my life, again, what we feel and experience is going to feel very limited. But as we, as we're in a way where we, we can kind of see, it's not that my mind made this up, but right now my mind is creating what's showing up in my experience. And that's okay. It's nothing to change or fight. It's like, we get to just relax into that and soften into that, knowing it's not us anyway. It's not the full truth of life or who we are or any of that. It's just the mind-created story. And there's this much bigger expansiveness that that tends to take over. So Jess says she has bulimia and a mild drug and alcohol addiction. And I want to point to that for a minute because it's really the easiest, most clear and amazing way to see everything that we've been talking about. When uh, all of our mind's identities, the, the identities and thoughts and feelings and the story and the me and my life and all of that and the meaning, when that feels so heavy and true and like all there is, it is so hard to be a human being. For anyone, again, and I really mean, I mean, I mean, geez, for sure when there's been abuse, for sure. But for anyone, for anyone, even in really easy, amazing, comfy circumstances, it's hard to have this narration going that's all about me and my life and how it should go and what it should be and, and how I'm going to stay safe. And if I already feel safe, how I'm going to continue to stay safe and how I can get even safer. It's a heavy, heavy, heavy conversation to have happen in a head. It's a heavy, heavy burden to bear. And for sure, Jess, it's far heavier for some than others, depending on the nature of that conversation. But but I want you to see the universal nature of that too. You know, that a conversation talking about me and my life is heavy. And part of that conversation always, always, just by definition, by its design, is what should be happening, what's okay, what's not okay, and what everything means. And so we start to feel emotion. We start to feel, have thoughts and memories and all kinds of things. And of course, they don't just show up on their own. I mean, they do, but a mind will add a commentary even on those. There's an overlay of not only is it thought and feeling showing up, but it's my thought and feeling and what it all means about me and why is it here and what it should be doing and what it shouldn't and what it means for our future. So that's going on all the time. And when that feels so true and when that looks like all there is, we have to find ways to cope with that. We have to. Everyone does. Now, again, some people get driven into coping mechanisms earlier, some later. Some coping mechanisms are relatively safe and benign. Others are relatively really horrible and dangerous and disruptive. But it's the same process happening. It's the same thing going on. So 
when it looks like there is a Jess who's had a really horrible past and there's all kinds of thoughts and feelings showing up that seem to confirm that and prove it and talk about and paint pictures of who knows what. And when that looks like all there is, that looks like the truth of you, you kind of have no, you have, have to escape that somehow. You have to, it's just too heavy. It's just too much. You know, you're just gonna, you're gonna find something. And so I just want you to see that around the, the bulimia and the substance abuse. I mean, it is so, it is a perfect example of, of a brain telling these stories, narrating things in a particular incredibly biased way that doesn't negate facts, but but the narration of it is very personal and full of meaning and bias. And then, you know, us us kind of feeling as if that's that's the truth of it. That's all there is. And so on the flip side, you can start to feel the openness, I hope, and sense the benefit in seeing that that's not all there is. That thought and feeling, no matter what they're doing or saying or how big or how little they are, thought, feeling, story, all of that, it comes and goes. It moves through. It's, it's part of what arises in, in life, of life. And it's okay. It's all okay. And as we really come now, don't, again, don't just believe me and don't expect me saying it's all okay, it's all safe to, to dramatically do anything. But for anyone, I've seen thousands and tens of thousands of people in this exploration, you know, as we really come to see that ourselves, as we come to keep getting curious about it and really explore it and see, wow, it's not as it appears. And there's so much more here beyond this story. There's just no mad rush, you know, to numb, to cope. There's nothing to cope with in quite the same way. So that's how these things can can start to fall away. But the fact that they are there now is just simply, it's the most innocent, meaningless thing in the world. It's just simply pointing to the fact that there's experience that looks really personal and solid and, and real. And that's not just for you, Jess. That's for, again, the majority of humans, all humans at various points. And the majority of humans at any given point experience looks like all there is. So rather than attack those issues head on, you know, not that there's anything at all wrong with taking steps to to be free of eating issues and drug and alcohol issues, of course, but I hope you can kind of sense it the other way. I hope you can sense how seeing things in this bigger picture way starts to shake up the whole system. It just put throws into question everything that we're coping with and numbing from. And truly, I mean, habits and addictions get to fall away in that way as well. So the last thing you said in your question, Jess, is I really need your paradigm to work for me, but I just can't make it all add up in my head. And I so hear you on that. And I hope that this conversation has helped in that regard. I mean, it, it's not going to add up in a head, but I hope that you felt something or heard something on some level that kind of resonates. And it's tough because I've said a lot of words, you know, and so of course our mind wants to listen to the words and get it to make sense. And and I'm sure on some levels it does make sense. I'm sure a lot of what I've said, it is, it's very logical once you see it. 
we can see how a brain works and why it works the way it does. And that's all very simple, logical stuff. But again, the seeing it at that level, it, it can help a little bit, but it's it's not really what matters. You know, really what's what matters is, I think, beginning to just really get a feel for the fact that, wow, there's a lot more going on than how things appear. And that much beyond that, it may not add up in a head. I mean, think about it. Your your mind is not excited for you to see that it's just talking nonsense. <laughs> that it's that it, that you don't have to listen to it. You know that its creations of you and your life and everything it talks about forever are, is just a story. There's there's no there's no motivation there <laughs> for your mind to see that. So often, even what I'm sharing here will feel really kind of confronting. I mean, a lot of people just get angry. People would turn this off after the first 30 seconds. People would call me crazy. People will say over and over again, I only get it intellectually. I don't really get it. I don't really get it. And that's kind of a a mind's protective thing as well. So it it won't, you know, don't expect it to really land mentally, but I'm, I'm sure you can feel by now that that's not really where it's at anyway. So I really hope that, um, that this has been helpful in some way. And, and even if it hasn't, it's okay. You know, even if, even if you have no clue what I just said for the last 35 minutes, that's not uncommon. It's really not. And it's, and it's perfectly okay. But I hope that, I hope that people listening have kind of heard something in this, you know, that it's really, it's really both and it's really one. So it's really both that, that everything is just this. It's just unfolding perfectly as this right now, even when this, what you're experiencing in this moment is a horrible flashback or, or something that your mind has tied to abuse, even then, this is safe. This is love. This is energy. This is the only thing that there is in life showing up as abuse or a flashback or a, an addiction. It's all the same thing appearing as different things, appearing as a me and a you and a past and a future and all of that. But is there's only one thing. And that for sure, again, is not something a mind can handle. It, it cannot compute that. It doesn't add up. But I think we all, we all know this, you know, you can, you can feel it, you can sense it, that all is well and there's a really thick story that it's not. And none of that means anything about you. It doesn't negate anything that's happening. The story is just the story. And it is a real, real, real story. So, and it could not have been any other way. So when a mind wants to go off and say, oh, that means I shouldn't have felt this way for 35 years, or that means this, or that means that. No, it doesn't. It doesn't mean anything. It doesn't mean anything at all. It's just simply... Yes, this is a, this life that every single one of us are living in is a projection of thought. And no matter what that projection of thought looks or sounds or feels like, it's really only ever one thing. Everything's okay. It's all just life appearing as whatever it happens to be appearing as. Student Access Plus is a way to pay one low price for a growing library of digital courses. There are courses on binge eating, over drinking, intrusive thoughts, codependency, chronic pain, and several others that are included. So they're completely free when you're a Student Access Plus member. And yet others like the Just a Thought Companion course, the Being Yourself course, 
the Little School of Big Change self-study that are heavily discounted. It's an amazing way to get the most of what I offer in one place for one low monthly or annual price. It's only $24 a month to get access to everything I mentioned, plus a whole lot more. You can find Student Access Plus on my website at dramyjohnson.com, and I'll put the exact link in the show notes.